Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast, featuring Christian entrepreneurs to inspire and empower Christian business owners to walk strongly in their faith while building a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com, the business building community for changemakers. And yes, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says, we serve a generous and loving God. He wants us to prosper, but he often calls us to take the first step. And joining me on today's show is Andrew Robertson. Now, Andrew, he's the owner and the president of Petrus Development. Petrus Development is driven by the simple ideal, ministries with more money can accomplish more. Now, he is a lifelong Catholic and he sees his work with Petrus Development as a way of living out his own call to holiness, evangelization, as well as service to the church. Now, he was raised in the Houston area and he attended Texas AMM University where he had a profound experience through the ministry at St. Mary's Catholic Center and discerned a call to live his faith in new ways. Now, as president, he focuses on recruiting excellent talent building a client base and developing strategies that are going to add value to current and future partners. Now, on today's show specifically, he's going to share, be willing to play the long game. There's a difference between being fearless and being reckless. And in fundraising, people need to give more than organizations need to receive. So let's welcome Andrew to the show. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks so much, Anne-Marie. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us a little bit about Petrus Development. You're the owner as well as the president. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey to, you know, owning and, and starting up, obviously, Petrus Development. Take us back. Sure. Well, before I do that, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I think it's uh, this is a wonderful ministry that you have to the church uh, worldwide, globally, and I just appreciate you having me on. So it's an honor. So a little bit about Petrus Development. I am the owner and the president now, but I'm not the founder. Uh, it was founded back in 2005 by two gentlemen, Peter and John, uh, both very biblical names. And Peter and John founded Petrus really because they were excellent fundraisers and they saw ministries that struggled to offer the level of ministry that they could because they just didn't have the resources. And yeah. so Peter and John were uh, convicted to really operate, um, to found and to start Petrus as a ministry to the church. Yeah. So um, uh, over the time, they the, both of them moved on to other roles. Peter actually, in fact, left Petrus back in 2009 to go work in Brisbane. Uh, he took a role with the Diocese of Brisbane for about three years and uh, spent time down there and then moved back. And now he lives in Oklahoma City. Um, John left to be with an apostolate. But anyways, they founded the company, uh, did great work for a number of years. I started working part-time as a consultant back in 2012. Really enjoyed the enjoyed the work that I was doing. Um, I was fundraising full time for a medical school at the time, so it was kind of my connection back to the church and a way to practice my faith. And then in 2017, I was offered the chance to come on as president. Did that. Always wanted to be. I I've been an entrepreneur for many years. Started a couple of other businesses, um, and so this was a passion of mine. Uh, with the opportunity to come on as president, and then ultimately as the owner uh, at the end of 2019. So. That's that's a little bit about my journey, um, and I'm thrilled to be able to 
to work with ministries. We work mostly in the United States. We have a couple of Canadian clients. Um, the, all of our clients are faith-based. They're not all Catholic, but they're all faith-based. And their ministries ranging everywhere from, you know, a, a priest and a, a parish secretary to a team of, uh, you know, 20 or 30 on staff that are just trying to take the next step in fundraising and in ministry. So we get to do a lot of different things, work with a lot of different clients, and it's a fun, there's never a dull moment. Let's just say that. Yeah. So just uh, with that, with Petra's development, what are some of the Mm -hmm. services? Because, uh, and the reason I ask you to share that is because there may be some people that are working in different ministries that are really looking for the skill set and the expertise that I know you and your team can bring. So just give us some examples of some of the, the support that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So we do a little bit of everything. We'll help you hire a fundraiser. Um, We know that a lot of ministries, they want a good fundraiser. They don't know where to find one. They've never hired a fundraiser before. And so we help with that. That's kind of, uh, you know, that's a getting started type of service. If you're just at the front end and you need a good fundraiser. Um, We also help to teach principles of fundraising. We are a teach to fish organization. Uh, You know, the, the name of the company is Petrus. And I love that because Peter in the Bible is the rock that that Christ builds the church on, but there's also a really great story about Peter as a fisherman. And, and so, you know, we are a teach to fish organization. We don't come in and raise the money for you because we want to equip you and your team to be able to continue raising money after we're gone. And so we teach fundraising principles, everything from how to write a compelling newsletter to how to build a database. Um, We coach people on how to go out and ask for money. You know, a big question that we get is, how do I know if I'm asking somebody for the right amount? Well, there's, there's no great way, but you build that relationship, you get to know them, and you build some strategy behind that, and you can be more successful in those and those invitations to give. Um, We also do capital campaigns, feasibility studies. So really all the above. There's no organization that's too small or too early in the stage of development to that we would want to work with. And there's nobody that is so far along that we say, oh, we can't handle that. So a little bit of everything. Yeah. What I love about what you've just shared and, uh, you know, people, please reach out. We'll, we'll share uh, towards the end of the show how we or you can get in contact with Andrew and his team there at Petrus because, you know, in business we know that there's certain skills development and if we don't have that as part of the team, we, we either hire someone to teach us and I love the way that you teach people how to do that. You empower them rather than doing that for them, of course, because, and I love that it ties really much back to what is driven by the simple idea. This is the the Petrus development, of course, ministries with more money can accomplish more and they can. If they've got more funding, more capital to draw on, the more that they can hire and and, and do what they need to do. Yet the, the whole topic of raising money and money in itself, especially within the church, it, it's kind of iffy, isn't it? And it's a whole new kind of the mindset around that as well. So I love that you're bringing that into the, uh, you know, bringing that forward and, and helping people in that area. So let's talk about being willing to play the long game. Now, if you want to draw in, uh, you know, from the aspect of of organizations and ministries that may be doing fundraising, please be feel free to do that because I know that that really is drawing into your expertise. And I just feel that maybe the Lord has got some messages within that area for the area as well. So Mm -hmm. what do we need to know about playing the long game? 
So um, I'll talk about it from a fundraising standpoint. A lot of the clients that I work with, and, and not even the clients that we work with, a lot of ministries, um, you know, they they see a need, they have a need, and sometimes it's a dire need. You know, sometimes the, the roof is literally caving in or, you know, they don't have enough staff to serve the the clients that, or the, the parishioners or the, the members that they want to. And so there's a dire need. Um, sometimes it's just a, you know, you have a, a leader or a priest who says, I can see an issue down the road. So maybe we get, need to get a head, head start on that with some fundraising. Whatever it is, um, a, the first thing that they often say is, you know, if they've never done this fundraising before, all right, what do I need to do? Go find a bunch of rich, rich people and ask them for money? Well, I, you know, I'm not saying that don't do that, right? But that's also, that's a way to really start out of the gate with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of energy, but not a solid plan for how to continue that. And so a lot of what we teach organizations is how to play that long game. If you build the foundations at the beginning, then your fundraising will not only be successful, but it will be successful for a much longer time. And so that's, you know, that that's the unglamorous things like starting a database and investing in, you know, getting the right addresses and emails in your database. That's about investing in a solid website that has a, that has your, the staff information and the times of your services and, you know, a, a link right on the front page for how to give. Um, it's those types of things. It's creating your policies and procedures for how do you send a thank you note when somebody sends a sends in a donation. It's those type of things. They set you up for sustainability, which is a huge issue with regard to fundraising. You know, a lot of people, they can, they have a, you know, somebody gets started and they say, well, I know my, my uncle Joe sold a business last year. I'm going to go ask him for, you know, a huge check and that'll get us started. Well, that may be part of your strategy to engage Uncle Joe. Uh, you know, you want him to be passionate about the organization, of course. But if that's your only, if that's the only plan that you have, then when Uncle Joe says, "Yeah, I sold the business, but I paid out all that money in taxes, and you know, I'm starting this other business, and I just don't have the resources that I that I would like to give to you," well, then you're you know, you're, you're in a tough spot because you put all your eggs in that basket. Um, so that's with regard to fundraising. I think just in life and in business as well, you want to position yourself, everybody, you know, so let's say, you know, you're working with an entrepreneur. Um, I started a couple of businesses. One was a, I was a wedding DJ, uh, which I love. That was a, a lot of fun until I realized that I liked Saturdays and I didn't like spending every Saturday working and, you know, to all hours of the night and uh, I had a young family. So we, uh, but that was a business that I started. Um, then I went to work and I, we, my wife and I moved to Ohio. We took this job. We moved back to Texas. We took another job. And then I was, had this opportunity to move into Petrus full time. Well, I knew from from much earlier in my career that that's what I wanted to do is to start and run a successful business. But I didn't have the expertise. I didn't have the skill set. I didn't have that training in how to how to fundraise and how to coach and fundraise or how to, you know, whatever the business might be to make the business successful. And so I built those skills through these positions that I was moving into and taking and always trying to learn a little bit more because I knew that eventually I would have an opportunity to either start a business or take over a business. And I was blessed with the opportunity in 2017 to come into Petrus in this role. Um, you know, maybe that's not your journey, but if you're not thinking about what what's my plan two or three or four steps down the road, then you're constantly chasing what's right in front of you. And maybe that's not the right 
that's not the right plan um, or that's not the right next step. You know, I'm a uh, I'm a woodworker and I think I heard on your podcast, your your husband is a carpenter, right, Amory? Is that yeah. yeah? So I I I don't do it well enough to make a career out of it, but I I dabble. You know, I have a workshop and I love building things. And the first things that first thing that I have to do though, and I've learned this the hard way, is look at my plans, figure out what materials I need, not just lumber, but also screws and glue and clamps and everything else, and create that plan. Get all of my equipment in in ready so that whenever I actually start building, I have everything there. Otherwise I get stalled out on a project. You know, I don't have the right type of screw. And so then I say, all right, well, I'm going to go to the store in a little bit and then things happen and I don't get to the store and then it's a week and then it's two weeks and then it's a month. And then it's three months later. And my project is half done sitting there because I never went and got the right screws. So uh, again, I think that that's what I mean when I say play the long game is be willing to look down the road. And sometimes that means making a move now that will position you for that. And sometimes that means not making a move. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of cr- jobs in my life that I wasn't thrilled at the moment about what was going on. And I thought, man, is is now the right time to, to make a move? But I was still learning and I was still growing that skill set. And so it became an opportunity to stick with what I was doing, even if it was challenging, because I was learning and growing because down the road, I knew there would be another opportunity that to move on to. So yeah. that's- I love that. And something that as you're sh- sharing that, sometimes what happens is when we're not really playing the long game, what we tend to do is be moved by the ebbs and flows of the tide it- all the challenges and the situations. And so, you know, did the Lord really want me to do this or not? And when we come up with a challenge, even though it may be challenge after challenge, it's like, well, the Lord may not want this. But in actual fact, it is. And it's so much your calling that there is things and obstacles in your way to, to try and prevent you from continuing. And I love that you've said do the long game because you may need to shift. You may need to shift the path. You may need to try a different hammer maybe if, if it's not getting through, you know, that, that, that nail in that wood. Uh, but play that that long game. When you look back, I mean, I think hindsight is just a wonderful teacher. Would or is there something that really stands out as you reflect back over your career, thinking about the long game? What is one insight that you've learned across that? It maybe is something you know. Sometimes we learn a lesson and it's repeated over and over, and it just emphasizes there that that is again that's held me in really good stead. Anything like that stand out for you as you look back over your life and career? So, so one thing that I've tried to do, and I I didn't really become mindful of this until I would say, you know, look back on my career. I've only been doing this for what 15 years out of college, uh, but about you know five, six, seven, eight years ago, I it kind of came to me that I really don't ever want to intentionally or even accidentally burn any bridges. Right. So much of what we do is relationship based in fundraising. It's relationship based. You have to get to know your donors. You have to be authentic and build those relationships. And ultimately, that leads to being successful and raising money in business and in life. It's all about relationships as well. And so there have been times in my life that I've had a a supervisor or, uh, you know, a coworker or somebody else that I think, gosh, I you know, I can't wait to get out of here and I can shake the dust of that person out of my life. You're right. And then I, I think I've realized as I've kind of continued to to move through, you know, work and through careers or, or through positions that that's never a that's not what God calls us to do. Right. Uh, you know, that's not 
God doesn't say use people and then when you're done using them, cast them aside. No, he says love people. He even says love your enemies, but he says love people, invest in those relationships, be there for people, show kindness and virtue to to people, and that kindness and virtue will be shown back to you. And so I think that not that not that I had any incidents where I necessarily broke that rule, but it just occurred to me that I never want to be in a position where I burned a bridge and I don't have that relationship that I can go back on and that I can, because you never know, right? You, especially, you know, going back to this point of playing the long game, you never know when somebody from your past is going to come back and say, Hey, Andrew, uh, I know we haven't spoken in a long time, but I've got this opportunity. Somebody, you know, somebody, I'm not the right fit for it. Maybe, maybe you're not either, but I'd love for you to meet this person. I'd love for you to, to hear about this opportunity. And you just never know where those, those opportunities are going to come from and where those relationships are going to go. You know, as you're sharing that, I mean, there's so many golden nuggets. I mean, whether we're in fundraising, whether we're in ministry or in our business, you know, as, as ministry, or even if we're a church, when you're saying about around investing in your relationships and instance of donors, could be customers, could be your parishioners, um, if you're not continuously building those relationships and empowering them, creating that united vision and, mm-hmm. and you know, onboarding new people, you will end up burning out the donors. You will end up burning out your team if you keep relying on the same people and you're not investing into them and growing your team. And similarly, in a church environment, you can do the same to your parishioners who are the same ones that keep saying yes and yes all the time. So to create that culture, because I think when you do, like the donors, if you tell such a unique and inspiring um, mission statement and vision of how whatever you're doing, uh, the project or whatever, how that is going to impact the lives of, you know, people get behind it, don't they? Because they want to become part of that vision. They want to, to become part of that story and knowing that um, the money, and sometimes it can be in kind, some is the support that people give of their, their their time. When they invest in that, they can see what the outcome is and that just aligns with who they are. And so you often then will get people who will often come out of the woodwork and say, I'd love to be a part of that. When you're consistently investing in that relationship and that storytelling. Have you found that to be true too when you're uh, working across the board? 100%. You're absolutely right, Anne-Marie. And you you kind of led into another point, which is about if you really are playing the long game and you're really building those foundations, you have to constantly be investing and in building your pipeline and building your funnel. And so, you know, this is key in fundraising. And this is where I go back to that earlier story about, you know, if I think I said Uncle Joe. Maybe I said Uncle Joe. If your whole development strategy is to go ask Uncle Joe, but you're not cultivating new donors, new people into your life, maybe Uncle Joe will fund you, but he's not going to fund you forever. And so who else is? Who else are you investing in? Who else are you building relationships with? And so in a lot of the work that we do, that's why we we really want to, from, from the standpoint of Petrus, we really want to teach both the principles to our clients and to to ministries that want to grow not just about coaching how to how to how to write how to make the right ask to a donor how to build that relationship and steward them along but also what are the foundational things that you need to be doing to build that pipeline of future donors uh you know that there's uh when I was at St. Mary's Catholic Center at Texas A&M it was my first job out of college we started a, a really great program called a class gift program and yeah. it, 
was, was we asked seniors before they graduated who had been involved in the ministry to make a pledge. And they gave a thousand dollar pledge, paid that with $20 a month for 50 months, right? So that's $20 a month times 50 is a thousand dollars. And we thought if we could get 25 of these seniors together to pledge this, that'd be $25,000. And so it was successful and it kind of became this tradition now when we started that back in 2005 they still do the class gift program in 2020 2021 and you look back at all of the the donors that now have kind of moved up in the in the ranks of giving so to speak they started at twenty dollars and they moved it up to fifty dollars a month then they started giving a hundred dollars a month and now they're you know making a twenty five or a hundred thousand dollar commitment to the new church campaign it was all about building that pipeline, starting with the foundations and getting those donors involved early and showing them that they can make an impact. I think that was the other thing that we really wanted to reinforce is you're not just giving $20 that you're never going to see again. This $20 is actually really important and it's making a huge impact. So again, to to your point you just made is that you have to be investing in building that pipeline that will ultimately move people from $20 a month to a hundred thousand or a million dollars down the road because they have seen the good work that you've done with their gifts. Yeah. We had a really good question that came up here from um, Bundjalung Warrior. I said, what about cheap and wolf, wolf's clothing? One of the things I, I, I think when you're looking at, say, from a team point of view, and then I love your thoughts on this as, as well from your viewpoint, uh, you know, the, this is when we're talking about investing in people. There may be people that you find that evidently in your team, that, and it may be a hire that you thought was going to be fantastic. But, you know, in, in, in closely, more closely working with that individual, you may see that they're not actually aligned with the organization's values and vision and so forth. And I think as a leader, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we've given them the right um, instructions and the right support to be able to deliver. We always need to, as a leader of our team, to be able to do that, to support them. But at the end of the day, there are just some people who just are just not a good fit. And again, um, being able to have that co that confident uh, conversation and uh, and sometimes it's just agreeing that this is not the best uh, opportunity and, and parting ways, not, not, you know, with any animosity or whatever. But I think when we bring that to the relationship and know that as a leader or as an individual, that we, when we take it that way, we know with hand on heart that we've done everything that we can, even to the point where we've part of that relationship. I mean, I'd love your thoughts on that because there are some people who are like wolves in sheep's clothing and we need to be able to be aware of that, to discern that and to be able to deal with that because that can impact the rest of the team as well. But love to see if you've got some thoughts on that too. Yeah, sure. From the, um, I, I think that's a good question and I think it's an important question to consider. Um, I think with regard to building your team, you know, we're a, we're a small organization. We have 14 on our staff, but many of them are, um, are part-time. Just like when, like I said, I started as, with Petrus when I was working full-time at the medical school and I started part-time consulting. Many of our consultants are that way. So we're still a very small team of, in terms of full-timers. And we had a, uh, we had an opportunity, um, last this past year to bring somebody on who had great skill set, but just as the conversations went on just wasn't a wasn't a fit with our culture nothing certainly nothing negative about that individual certainly not equating that person to a a wolf uh, in sheep's clothing but just wasn't the right fit right it wasn't a cultural fit and as much as tough as it was because that was going to really help solve some issues that we had in terms of staffing as much as it hurt 
I, as the president, it was on me to say, I really want to move forward with this. But, you know, from a team perspective, we're a small team. Adding one person that's not a cultural fit can be devastating to us long term. So I think that that was just, you know, I spent a lot of time in prayer. We discerned this many conversations. Like I said, we struggled this with this situation because it was, this was a great individual, great skill set, and, you know, just wasn't culturally the right fit with us. So um, I think when you approach hiring and building your team with some of the principles that, A, God calls us to, right, discernment and trust and faith and belief and prayer, right? Like that's, that's going to protect you from a lot of that from a team perspective. Um, but then I think when you take the next step and say, yes, this person could help solve some, some problems for us or could solve some needs, fill some gaps, but are they going to, is that going to create other issues? Yeah. I mean, in some ways you have to be courageous enough to say, I can't move forward with this knowing that. So I think that's from a team perspective. I think that the question also though, may be directed to fundraisers who are disingenuous right? And their approach to fundraising and are able to, through their, through their charisma, through their charm, through, you know, whatever that is, be able to secure funding, but then ultimately aren't using that in the right way. Right. And, and from my standpoint, as a fundraiser, this is what I've done for 15, 16 years. There's nothing that's more tragic than when I hear about store, when I hear stories about fundraisers or ministries that, sort of break that code of trust with their donors. And, you know, in terms of how to protect against that, I mean, on the one hand, people that are not, that are not passionate about this and are not doing this in the right way and that are not following the sort of steps in the plan, they're going to flame out, right? The, the market itself is going to force those people out because donors are going to figure out this is not somebody or this is not an organization that I want to support, right? So there's, there's some just inherent protection from a, from a you know, nonprofit, from a fundraising, from a market perspective. But I think the other thing is that we as fundraisers, as a fundraising community, need to be willing to stand up. And, and when we see somebody or we see something that is happening that we know is not right, we need to be willing to stand up and call it out for what it is and say, yeah. you know, if it's in the faith-based world, say this is not what this organization, what this individual is doing is, is not of Christ. It's not representing our, the church in a way that we feel um, that, that is obvious. And we need to be willing to stand up and be bold. So those are, I think that's a, that, you know, that's a good question. And I think that those are the best answers that I can give in that regard. Yeah, I love those. Um, great, great responses and certainly agree with those. So let's talk about what you, what would you say then is the difference between being fearless and then being reckless? Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say? Yeah. So one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite Bible verses is Luke 5, 4, when God tells uh, Peter, I think it was Peter, to cast your nets out into the deep, and and you will be and you will be rewarded. Um, and we have that the first part of that: cast your nets out into the deep. And that's my son is Luke, and so that's why we put that in the, his nursery. Um, and the reason for that is because there's a there's a need in all of our lives. God calls all of us, but especially those that are in this context, entrepreneurs, those that are working, that are building ministries, building organizations, God calls us to be bold. And if we're not bold, then we're just, we're, we're not going to succeed long-term. So I think that we're all called to be bold. Now, the I, I can say this because in my life, I've had a couple of many near-death experiences. I've been in a, 
I've been in a plane crash. I've rolled two vehicles in the mountains, one on the, one in the snow and one off the uh, off a dirt road. Um, I hit a tree snowboarding. Uh, what else? There's 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 probably two or three. I almost fell off a cliff rock climbing one time. There's a there's a couple of incidents, right? And so um, I tell my wife that clearly God, you know, he I'm invincible. He made me invincible, which she doesn't like because then my kids start claiming that they're invincible and then yeah. they want to jump off the garage and that's just trouble. But, um, but I know that I know that what it means to be fearless and to be reckless, that there are consequences to being reckless. So I think that, um, you know, God calls us to be bold, but he also calls us, he gives us wisdom and prudence. One of the, um, one of the virtues, um, that we have one of the, the four cardinal virtues, you know, temperance, prudence, justice, and charity. Um, God calls us to, be prudent and to be temperate and to make good and wise decisions. And, you know, some of that is, you know, youthful indiscretion, right? Like when I was, <laughs> when I uh, crashed my first car, when I rolled my first car, it was because I was what, 21 years old driving too fast on a dirt road. I was trying, I was going somewhere really important, but I was driving too fast, went off the side, rolled the car and, I learned my lesson. Uh, and so, you know, that was an incident. That was an example of me being reckless, but that didn't ultimately help me because I didn't get where I needed to go, where God calls us to be fearless. And by that, I mean to be bold and to cast your nets out into the deep. Yeah, I love that analogy. And uh, yeah, that that's right. I, I often say to people, you know, the cat has nine lives, that, that saying, well, I think I've only got a couple uh, left of, of that. You've kept a guardian angels very busy. Over yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> that's wonderful. Now, I do know that uh, we've just got some short time left. And so in closing, I know that you wanted to share and probably you may already mentioned something around this, but I think it's nice to close up. Um, you know, in fundraising, you say people need to give more than organisations need to receive. That's so important, isn't it? Particularly when it comes to fundraising and actually even in business, when we're thinking about our clients, we really need to, from an organisation's point of view, need to sow into to our donors, sow into our teams and our clients. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I'll tell you uh, two short stories. One, was with that class gift program. Um, it was 2006. I was new to this. I had met this this senior who was about to graduate, and she had been nominally involved. And I said, uh, "Annalisa, would you like to? You know, I'd love to talk with you about this project." I explained it to her, and uh, how the funds were going to be used to create an endowment that would provide long term funding for the ministry. And she said, "You know," and I said, "I know you haven't been very involved, but I'd like you to consider this." And she said, "Okay, first of all, I." I was involved in a sorority when I was at school here, and that was my life. Everything around my time, my schedule was controlled by the sorority. I just was so busy. Said, so, but every Sunday night I went to mass, and all of my friends knew. Okay, Annalise is going to mass, so we had to do dinner later. We have to do whatever we're doing later after that. And she said that over four years, that became my witness to my friends, and that became very important to me. And also, I have a little sister who is going to be a student here next year, and my hope is that she'll be involved in the ministry as well. So if I can give, and you're telling me that this gift will make an impact, sign me up times 100. I am in, and so it was that that incident that taught me a lot early on that a, you never, you never judge people. You never make decisions for somebody, right? Don't answer no on behalf of somebody else. And this is in fundraising and also in business. 
Um, so that's a, that was an important lesson, but also it, it really taught me how important it was for Annalisa to make that gift, even though she had, you know, seemingly very little reason just based on her involvement. It was very important to her for those reasons. And then the second story, I'll tell you this very quickly, is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I think there's a hero of that story, and it's the little boy. And, you know, when when the disciples go around and they come back and they say, we have this boy and he has, um, what was it? Two fish and five loaves uh, or five loaves and two fish. Yeah. Five loaves and two fish. Sorry. Yeah. So there were more than 5,000. I think the 5,000 were the men. Then there would have been yeah. women and children there too. So, so, the, yeah. so the boy shares it. But if you think about it, just one point, what boy eats five loaves of bread and two fish by himself? He probably brought that food to feed his family. And here he was offering it to Christ to serve so many more. And Christ took that gift that he had out of courage. I'm sure his sisters and his mom, you know, and other people were like, what are you doing? Giving away our food. And here Christ took that and multiplied that in a way that it could never have accomplished what it did had he kept that fish. And so I think, you know, those are two stories that I just love to tell because they show the impact of what a gift can do both in our lives and then also what God can do through our generosity. Wonderful, wonderful stories. So, uh, Andrew, I know that you've had an opportunity to share about Petrus, um, and so people uh, can certainly go back and watch the live stream or listen to the recording again. However, what's the best way for them to get in contact with uh, Petrus and perhaps even yourself too if uh, something that you've said today has really sparked something in them and they would like to connect? What's the best way? So the best way is our website, PetrusDevelopment.com. That's P-E-T-R-U-S Development.com. You can find all my contact information on there. I'm also, we're on Facebook under Petrus Development, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of those source, all of those channels. You can find Petrus. Personally, um, my my username on most of those is Aggie Robison. You know, A&M is, a, I, I know that maybe you're not as familiar with the 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 um, what A&M is and the, the craziness that goes along with our alumni base, our former students, but it's hard to get the Aggie out of uh, somebody once they go through that experience. So, once they've been indoctrined also. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, uh, Aggie Robison, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, um, a couple of those places as well. So that's me. I really appreciate you having me on. This has been a, a fun conversation to talk about business and fundraising, and it's just really encouraging from my standpoint to know that people like yourself are giving voice to Christian leaders to talk about how we can do this better and how we can honor God and honor Christ through our work. So thank yeah. you very much. You're so welcome. And so I'd love to to finish the show with a word of prayer, if that's all right, Andrew. So we'll Please. just where to pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to speak with Andrew today, find out more about Petra's development and the work and the ministry that they're doing. Father, you know, when we think about all of the different projects and all of uh, the areas that we want to contribute, both in time and, and financially, we know that whether we're building a fundraising for a, for a project or whether we're building a business, as Andrew so beautifully reminded us, you know, we need to be mindful that we are in it for the long 
long run and that uh, there are certain principles and planning and, and leaning into you and prayer and all of that which we know to be true and so important that we need to do to be mindful of the leadership skills and the the, the teams that we are developing as well as the vision and uh, the, the way forward. And so, Father, we just want to thank you for that. Uh, we want to just pray uh, for, for Andrew and for his team at, at Petrus, for the clients that they're working with. We continue to bless all of the projects and, and the work that they're doing. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Uh, Andrew for coming on the show. We've got a couple of comments there and um, Bajalang Warrior was there as well. Thank you for being part of the show and, and contributing your comments as well. So once again, thanks again and um, we'll catch you soon on, on the live stream. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. God bless. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry? while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.